0: Hey, there you are. Good morning. Good morning. So you awake? You ready to go? Okay. Some of you had me a little nervous uh, a little bit earlier. You know, if you need to get some coffee, uh, feel free to go and do so. You know, we, uh, there's nothing shameful in that. If you need to tank up a little bit and have a little bit extra energy to, to get through the rest of the 45 minutes we got going here this morning. Hey, um, if we can, a little shout out We have people here at 7.30 in the morning to serve and be ready for you. We have coffee people, and we have our worship team people that are here, our sound and video people that are here. And uh, don't they do a great job? Just so thankful for them. I sleep in, and I get here at 8.15, so don't clap for me. Uh, I get to... to, uh, to do all that, but man, we have some great people that serve. So thankful for our um, teachers and kids' workers, and there's just a lot of people behind the scenes that do things, and uh, thankful for them. So uh, thankful for them, thankful for you, grateful that you're here. I really had no idea who would be in-house today and who would be on the other side of the camera, so I just want to welcome you, whether you're in-house or whether you are online. Just uh, thankful for every opportunity that we have to worship together. so special welcome if you're online want to say um, grateful for your presence with us today. hope you are ready to go if you want to get a head start to Hebrews chapter 10, you certainly may but before you do that, can we all do something together in-house and online? Could we just fill um, out our connection cards just for a second? I know uh, it may seem like an old thing for us, but it is a necessary thing. Here's our way just to stay in touch with one another. So if you would, um, in the seat in front of you, grab a connection card and, and fill that out, especially if you have a prayer item, uh, something of special note to us, just put that on there. If you're online, you know there's ways to, to get to those connection cards online. And then when you're done filling those out, if you're in-house, that you just fold them up and put them in our giving boxes that are in the foyer or online, just go ahead and click Submit, and then they do come into the church office, and we get to connect with those and pray over those as leadership staff, and we really do appreciate you taking the time to do that. Here's a few things while you do that. Tonight, oh, people... Tonight at 7 o'clock is our night of worship. This is going to be a treat. I've already got a little sneak peek. And this whole evening is devoted just to vertical worship of Jesus Christ. All the music, the prayer package, um, everything, friends, is completely vertical. And you will enjoy um really the opportunity to be involved. It will be live streamed. And so if you're home, you can connect on your computer. And if you're in-house, wow, you're going to be in for a treat. I just invite you to be a part of um, this special evening, 7 o'clock. And uh, do not miss that. We have a couple special Christmas ministries that we support and are involved in. And Christmas is coming. Here here we go. December is right on our heels, and uh, one is Emmanuel's Child. It's a special way that we purchase these Christmas stars that we put on our Christmas tree in the foyer, and all the money that goes from that goes to our missionaries overseas in Russia to get Christmas presents for kids there. Uh, none of it is pocketed by us. 100% goes over to help our missionaries. It's a tremendous ministry that we would love for us to be able to reach some significant goals in helping that. Another one is our deck the dresser ministry. Now, I told you last week we wanted to purchase four dressers, they were $700 each. <clears throat> These we partner with the Pregnancy Care Center. And uh, these go to single moms who've chosen life and are working through the Pregnancy Care Center. I told you they are going quick, so you need to buy them quick. Well, I I wasn't joking. By Wednesday, all four were purchased, plus an additional $100 into all this. So isn't that great? So now uh, they will be in-house by December. They'll be in the foyer. We will have markers back there for us all to sign them and um, write a note of encouragement or a verse or something. These are going to be forever with these moms and kids as a reminder of East Bay Calvary Church and of the love of Jesus Christ. And they do look at those backs. I've talked to some of these moms after they've received the dressers. That is one thing that has made a huge difference. They read what's on the back of that dresser, and they are impacted by it. So that's our way to reach into their lives. So when these come in, make sure you sign all four dressers. And then also there will be lists. Here's what we can purchase to pack them out and get these moms on a good head start with their kiddos. And one of those moms already, one of the dressers is spoken for by one of the moms, and um, she has a connection with our church. So here we go with Real Ministry, excited about that. Next Sunday... I start our Christmas series all the way up through December. It's called Expectations. You know, um, speaking of expectations, this year has not been what we expected, huh? It has not met our expectations. And interestingly enough, when we look at Jesus coming into the world, his initial coming did not meet the expectations of people around. How he would come. What he would be like, who he would be, all of that did not meet their expectations. However, we learn Jesus exceeds your expectations. And we're going to be studying that starting next Sunday all the way through the month of December. So, Christmas, here we come. Fasten your seatbelt. I'm really excited for that opportunity. So, let's grab our copy of the scriptures Hebrews chapter 10. Starting in verse 26, and we're going to go through the rest of the chapter. We have a lot to pack in to a short bit of time. So fasten your seatbelt. Here's a little bit by way of background. Last week, we worked through some understanding. Jesus drew near to us, and he did. He came in the flesh. That's what we're going to be working through over the next month. He came to us in bodily form as a man died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. And he came near to us. And he did so for a couple significant reasons, which is what last week's text talks about. Number one reason is so that we could draw near to God. He drew near to us so that we could draw near to God. We have no other way to draw near to God. As much as we may try in and of ourselves or say, you know what, I'm going to go to church and that's my way to draw near to God or, you know, I draw near to God in the woods or I draw near to God other ways, you know, there's no way to draw near to God apart from trusting and embracing the work of Jesus Christ that he is the only way, the only forgiver of our sin because he died on the cross bearing the wrath of God for us. There's no other way. There's absolutely no other way. So he is the forgiver of our sins. We learn some phrases that we work through. He is, the, he is the one who has once for all forgiven our sins. He is the one who has made perfect forever, the only one. And so he drew near to us so that we draw near to God. And then he drew near to us so that we draw near to each other. And there's these phrases that are in here from last week. It mentions we draw near to each other. And so he says, let us consider. And so drawing near to each other is something that is deliberate. It's intentional. So we need to get into our mind. Here's how we're going to do this. It doesn't happen accidentally. You know, if we just show up in a room and then we get up and we leave, Probably drawing near to each other isn't going to happen. Unless we say, you know what, here's how we're going to make this happen. And I'm going to go over to that person with the curly hair or with no hair or whatever their situation, like. I'm going to get to know them. And here's my life and how about we connect, let's get together. How about you come over or whatever may be the situation is, we need to intend to do something and then intend beyond connecting to push each other, and it mentions this, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds so that we draw near to each other to intentionally move one another in our relationship with Christ, and we don't stop connecting with one another or meeting together, but rather we encourage, we put heart into one another, And it says, and even more as you see the day approaching, and I don't know about you, I can see the day approaching. Like this thing's coming, gang. Things are not getting better and better and better. And so even more so, we need to be in the lives of each other and spurring one another and encouraging one another. So now he moves into a new section here. But building on the same thing why do we draw near to each other why be in the lives of each other and the thought and theme of this upcoming section is very much attached to the preceding paragraph and I really believe And I don't know how to impress this. I don't think there's anything I can say that will express the significance of of this. But the Church of America has become detached and even pre-COVID. For many, they're satisfied to come and attend and check the box and go. It's a reality. And it's so different than what the text calls spurring one another, being up close and personal, investing time and thought and love and effort into the lives of each other, the speaking truth into each other or giving heart. And some have taken on church as more of a country club and not a training facility and more of a hangout joint. And the truth is, and I don't even know how to impress this more, I mean, there are real life things happening here I mean we may look around and say but they look fine well you know what there are things happening in people's lives with eternal consequences with life-altering consequences and I, I didn't mention this to you a month ago I did a funeral for a woman in her 40s not from this church from this community And she had overdosed on drugs. And I connected with her family. as I talked to them, I was expecting to hear this account where she was just wrapped up in stuff her whole life, and it had all gone wrong, and here finally it took her. And I was just blown away to find out that she was in church. just a couple years prior to her passing. And when she had gotten away that there was no, there was nothing, there was no connection, there was no pursuit, there was no one in her life. And it it helped me to realize, you know, what we're dealing with here is so significant There's so much at stake that people need our relational discipling impact to help each other stay on course. And at the the end of our time, I want to tell you about a time that someone was up and close in my life that made all the difference in the world. But there's big stuff that happens here. And we draw near to each other. And here's how the text worked out for two primary reasons. So let's just walk in the text. I'm going to give you these. And then we're going to focus on how it impacts us here today. So starting in verse 26, look at 26 to 31. Why do we draw near to each other? And here's reason number one. Notice verses 26 to 31. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Now, let's just stop right there for a moment. I want you to see in these two sections, he's dealing with two different kinds of people. So in this first section, 26 to 31, he's dealing with people who have received a knowledge of the truth. But notice the next section, starting in verse 32 who he's dealing with, verse 32, remember those earlier days after you received the light. So here's two different categories of people. The very first one we're dealing with in this first section, those that received a knowledge of the truth, different from the people in the second section who received the light. So let's just see how they differentiate from each other. So I mentioned they received a knowledge of the truth, if they deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Let that sink in for a moment. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses, died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Wow. Folks, that is a heavy, heavy passage with intense, major implications So here's where it walks us through. Number one, these were people that had received a knowledge of the truth. Different from the second group who received the light. So just to understand this, these are people that have been, can we put this in current terms? These are people that had been or currently were in the assembly. Okay? They're people that were in church These are people that sat in the service. These are people that were in class. These are people that knew the answers. They knew the knowledge. They received the knowledge of the truth. And what they knew was truth. It wasn't that they knew falsehood or error. They understood what the other people understood about Jesus, that he's the only sacrifice For our sins to be forgiven. They understood truth. But there were other issues. So these people could profess, but they did not possess. We would say they had knowledge, but not ownership. We would say they were in church, but it was not in them. And so here's what was going on. What was going on was they knew it, but verse 26, at the very beginning, it mentions they deliberately kept on sinning and so this understanding of the deliberate sinning what's he talking about some text mentions willful sinning well the reality is we all do have willful sins that we commit it's not like as if i I never intended to ever do something sinful obviously i still do we all do The scriptures mention clearly that a believer may be overtaken in a fault. But what he's talking about is a person who has been in the Christian community, understands the claims of Jesus, but will not yield to his lordship. They still continue on their own path. They continue to live out their own life. And then number two... They feel that the ability of Jesus to save is somehow either deficient or they disregard his sacrifice as insignificant. And notice how these verses ring out in verse 29 on down. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has, notice these phrases, trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them. So here here they're looking at this blood of Jesus as no different. It's a common thing, literally, it mentions. It's no different than the animal sacrifices, no different than anything else that they would do. It's just another one of all of those things that they may be forgiven by. And so he's mentioning this is a severe mistake And then he mentions the third thing, they have insulted the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of grace. These are major, major offenses in the eyes of God. And so they kept on living their own lives for themselves. They would not submit to the Lordship of Christ. They disregarded or disrespected the death of Jesus for their sin. And even though they were in this, okay, even though they were in the building, Even though people may have known their names, even though they came to all of the meetings, they only had a knowledge of it. They left, they lived their own lives, and they disregarded the death of Jesus Christ as significant for them. And so what was their result? What did they have coming? And folks, it couldn't be more serious Than what the text mentions right here. Verse 27 there is no sacrifice for sins left. There's nothing else that could care for them. Where else do they turn? If they don't turn to Jesus for acceptance with God, if they don't turn to Jesus for forgiveness, who else? What else? They're doomed. And the text mentions, verse 27, this is what's coming. A fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that consumes the enemies of God. I know some people are saying, Pastor, I think you're just trying to scare us this morning. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just giving you what the text says. And in a nutshell, this is what it says. There are people in the assembly who know all the data, have been through the services, have been through the classes. They know the truth, but they live their own life. And they don't embrace the sacrifice of Jesus. And folks, I'm just telling you flat out, you know names, you know faces, and there may even be some people here today let fit that category. And one day, if their allegiance doesn't change to embrace Jesus Christ, what they have waiting is an eternal destiny in hell, flat out. This is why we need to be in each other's lives, number one. Why we need to be in each other's lives? Because there are people whose faith is only surface. It's only surface. They come, they know, they leave, and they live their own life. Why do we need to be in each other's lives, friends? I'm just gonna say boldly, Because there really is a hell. It's a reality. There really is a hell because there really are people in this assembly who know truth but don't own the truth. Because we need to be a gospel presence in their lives. They need that. That's why we need to be in each other's lives. Because what we do has eternal consequences. It does. Charles Spurgeon tells about a church that was asked to accept as their minister a man who didn't believe in hell. So they brought him in, and, and he mentioned his belief. I don't believe that there's a hell. So they replied to him, you've come to tell us that there is no hell. Then they said, if your doctrine is true, We certainly do not need you. And if it is not true, we don't want you. Then they concluded so, either way, we can do without you. Very true. William Booth said this, and can you hear his heart? Listen to this. Listen to his heart. Not called. Did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. But put your ear down to the Bible. And hear him bid you go. And pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity. And listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. And so he says, we need to assemble to be in each other's lives and here's one reason because there are people who have received a knowledge of truth they're in here you know them by face and if we never engage some of them their faith is only surface And we need to be a gospel presence. That's number one. There are people in the assembly whose faith is only surface. We know their end. And this is serious business that we do. Here's number two. So we mentioned the first group of those who received a knowledge of truth. The second group, verse 32. Remember those early days after you had received the light. A different group. When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. He's coming. And by my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved. So the first time we discuss, we need to draw near to each other because there are people in the assembly whose faith is only surface. And then here's number two, because there are believers who are struggling. There's believers who are struggling. We noted the differences. The first group were those who received a knowledge of the truth but disregarded it And then the second group received the light, but then they went through a lot of trial. And here's some of the phrases that expose that trial. It says in verse 32, it mentions the phrase, they went through a great conflict full of suffering. Verse 33, another phrase, they were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Verse 34, it mentioned they were imprisoned. Verse 34, also they had confiscation of their property. So this is huge. There are believers who are struggling, and key phrases in the context, this is just what pulls it all together. So why do they need to draw together? Notice the key phrases that pull together. Look at verse 33. So sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, notice this. At other times, you stood side by side. Guess what we're dealing with, friends? People that were engaged with those who were suffering no longer was this churchianity. Now people were engaged side by side. And then notice it continues on in verse 34. It says, you suffered along with those who's imprisoned prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. So here, there's ample evidence that they were in each other's lives. This wasn't merely just a church attendance, but they were engaged in the lives of others, spurring each other, encouraging each other. Just as the writer has said, This wasn't merely just showing up to church. It was showing up in each other's sufferings for their brothers and sisters. And here's the whole deal. This is why they were engaged in each other's lives and we need to be engaged in each other's lives because, and this is it, because the goal isn't just faith. The goal is faithfulness. Let's keep it going. And it's not just a matter of, hey, they trusted Christ, so boom, we're done. Let's stay in their lives and keep them moving forward and keep them encouraged and keep them going on because they need that and they need it more and more and more as they see the day approaching. told you I'd tell you a story. This is my life. This is my life back in college. And I've mentioned a little bit of this in the past. And um, I had a friend in my dorm. We went to college together. Um, We went to church together. We hung out together. We were fairly open together. And here's the truth about me. Uh, When I was in college, I, I knew the truth. I did well in classes. I was even studying for the ministry. But I was in a relationship I should not have been in. And with a girl I shouldn't have been with. And there was one point my friend pulled me aside. Mike was his name, Mike Stewart. And he just told me straight up, he said, Brian, you know this isn't right. And you know she's not the one you should be with and you know you need to end this and I'm here to help I had bought an engagement ring I was ready to keep the pedal to the metal and it was the last thing I wanted to hear but it's what I needed to hear. So Mike helped. And I got away from that and got myself on the road that I needed to be on personally to be the person that God wanted me to be. As I look back at that day, the entire trajectory Think about it, gang. The entire trajectory of my life pivoted on that day. Think about it. Everything. Wasn't just upgrading to the most beautiful woman in the world. Having kids through us everything changed there were life consequences in that talk there were ministry consequences because i guarantee you i would not be in ministry today there's eternal consequences and life impact and it pushed me toward faithfulness and confidence and perseverance that my friends was disciple making his relationship with me earned him the right to speak truth into my life. As I look back at that and I look at the culture of where church has been, the Church of America, I, I just am impassioned with this thought. Enough of church being a spectator sport or a solo game Something that we're all commanded to do as an army together. And I, this phrase rings true. Superficial is not super. Think about it. It's not. God needs there to be connection within the body because some people are living a surface faith. And folks, there are eternal consequences to some people that are in this building. And your engagement and gospel presence in their life will have an eternal difference. Some people are hurting. And it may not be imprisonment, you know, may not be any of what they are experiencing but it may be their marriage maybe their child rearing they may be going through depression or they might be dealing with addiction they might be hurting with their job and and they need a brother or a sister to engage in their life to help them walk through the steps that they need to walk through to persevere. That's what church is all about. And it happens as we do this one another. So I have two questions for you, and then we'll finish up. Do you have someone in your life like this? Everyone needs it. I need it. Our elders need it. Our deacons need it teachers need it everyone needs someone in their life like this someone who will speak truth someone who will engage in all of their life relationally who can encourage and keep us persevering in the faith do you have someone in your life like this i've got a verse for you <clears throat> one of my favorite verses from 2 timothy 2 22. here's what it says flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Now here's the phrase, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we don't run alone. We're supposed to run with other people. And notice we're supposed to run with people who are running in the same direction. Can't run with the others. They're going the other direction. It's not gonna be a help. So pursue God and pursue Him with those who also are pursuing Him. And we need people like that truly in our lives. And then here's question number two. Are you in someone's life like this? And this one is even more significant. And I've heard people say, you know, I don't need others. You know, I don't need a group. I don't need someone in my life. Well, number one, I beg to differ with you on that. But number two, even if that were true, even if that were true, someone needs you. Think about it. Someone needs you. There may be someone who's struggling and you can stand, as the text said, side by side. You can suffer along with them to persevere. Someone needs you. Jesus died so that we draw close to God, love God, and so that we draw close to each other, love your neighbor. And in that, we make disciples. Where are you at? Are you drawing near to each other? People need you. Would you stand with me for a moment? Think about it. I want you to think about it in your heart. Do you have someone like that in your life? And are you in someone's life like that? Here's my question. If not, here's how it starts. It's really complicated. You walk up to someone and you say this word. It works every time. Hello. Pretty tough, isn't it? And that's where it all starts. My name is What's yours? And that's where you start. That's where it starts. doesn't even need a program. We don't need the hello program. We just need people that go for it. That purpose, intend, as the text says, consider do it intentionally and get beyond get beyond the superficial into the subsurface and father help us help help us because there are people who live a surface faith there are people in our midst that walk out of the assembly and live for themselves and think lightly of the cross. And there are people who are suffering who are genuine believers in God. This requires so much more than just our attendance. requires our heart requires us to be Jesus to them to have a gospel presence and ministry in their lives and Father by your grace help us to love you and to love them God may we deepen our relationships with each other Go after the real, and may you use us to have an impact, eternal impact. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen.